Good morning, friends. That life is a journey is a self-evident fact. And this journey evidently takes place on two levels, to say the least. One is we move through outer scenes, circumstances, events, etc., etc. People, yes, we shouldn't forget. And inwardly, we move through experiences that we gather in the course of this journey. That this journey is at times smooth, at times it's a bumpy ride, is also very well known. But each has made a gospel out of one of these aspects. There's a gospel that wants life to be a very smooth ride. And we like to find comfort zones in religion or religious thought. And sometimes we like comfort zones outwardly in material expansion. And sometimes it's a bumpy ride, which has also been turned into a gospel, a gospel of suffering, as if life is nothing else but suffering, far from truth, because all those who make a gospel out of suffering, if they were given a message that, well, you have a choice to come up or go somewhere, leave this world, they would think ten times and possibly say, I have my child to get married, my grandchild's face I must see, etc., etc., so this gospel of suffering has also taken these two extreme approaches. On one side, we all know drugs, parties, alcohol, material ways to ease out suffering. And on the other side, an extreme spiritual effort. It's a tremendous effort to discover that blank port where suffering ceases to exist, nirvana, moksha, lay. But most of us hang somewhere in between. And what we need to know is that whether there is a direction and a purpose to all this, and it's here where we see that Sri brings an entirely new, newest of the new, though it is the oldest of the old thought, and something we should be self-evident to all of us. So as Sri says that nothing can be taught, all knowledge is within, he brings out what is so self-evident that if we look at the larger panorama of life, it has a direction, it has a purpose. It's not evidently a random accident, chance, creating man out of dust. To believe it would be an absurdity of the highest kind. So there is a direction and this direction and this direction is moving towards what? Again, if you look at life, we see that there is greater and greater evolution of capacities, consciousness, perception and so many ways, even the form. So this is what is known as evolution when we look at the larger panorama. And uh, evolution, the outer side has been studied by biologists and it's very fascinating, but for the moment we can leave it aside. And it has an inner side. The inner side is what is regarded in Vedanta as the journey of the soul going through many lives and growing. Growing into what? Well, it is a seed of the divine and must grow into the full blossoming of the divine. So it's a very, very wonderful thing to become aware of that. So this inner side of evolution, Shubhinda brings out very beautifully that the two are not separate from each other. So in biology also we know that when we face a challenge, um, that's how species change. So here too, when we face a challenge, all life goes through these three um, interesting moments uh, in our personal life, life of a nation, life of, a, life of humanity, life of the world, 
that we go through conflict conflict is a way of life almost we have learned to you know hold it inside and put a very nice facade so conflict but conflict is there conflict is within us conflict is outside conflict is with people um, etc etc but so this conflict is always there within us and deep within this conflict is an evolutionary conflict between between what must uh, be and what has been if we really analyze deep inside we will end up with this evolutionary conflict and this changes it's not something same because as we move to the next step it's like when people move uh, every time you take uh, the right step forward or the left step forward either ways we are moving forward we have to take off the other leg otherwise you can't move forward and as we move forward this other has to be taken off so it's a constant state of inner um, choices that we have to make micro choices so there is a conflict but sometimes when we like to remain stuck we don't want to make a choice we want to like the paralyzed frozen so <laughs> we don't want to make a choice so sometimes this conflict changes into a crisis this crisis is what we see in individual life we see it in collective life and this crisis can lead to one of the three responses one is the best response change take a leap of faith and change the other is breakdown more common unfortunately and the third is retreat back run away from the crisis and wait for the next crisis so uh, now we you know evidence is so clear the world before corona and the world after corona everything has shifted as if um, you know a giant mixer grinder had put in all human qualities capacities thought went through a shredding process and new things have emerged in in india we have the parable of the sagar manthan where the ocean is being churned and poison and followed by the poison the nectar of immortality emerges so we have this conflict crisis change but this change which is uh, the most happening thing in everybody's life even when we are asleep we are moving through strange dream worlds and uh, the world when we went to sleep and the world when we wake up are not the same so there is this constant change which is going along happening all the time and here we see shobindo's master word this change has a direction and is a purpose so what is this direction and purpose partly it is self evident we grow as we grow what is called as older i must say that this term should be probably out uh, because when i cross 62 i decided that i am not going to say 63 i am going to say i will i'll be one year old then i came to know that mother has said precisely this that after 60 you are one year old so <laughs> so this this constant process of change that takes place even in sleep when we wake up so this has a direction and this is a purpose and as we grow sorry to say older we grow a little wiser and we grow a little more stupid and uh, sometimes very difficult to know the difference between the two uh, so <laughs> what seems uh, stupid to the world is sometimes a great wisdom so we become stupidly wise or wisely stupid doesn't matter either which way <laughs> but it happens why because all the mint of experiences currency that we gather which has gone into our credit bank we convert into something else and very interesting that this currency is often converted into at least two things or three things one is wisdom never say person that you are old and you are of no good is carrying the stock of wisdom that's why grandparents when they deal with 
you know, when at least in India this happens, when parents try to teach something to our children, oh, you shouldn't behave like this, oh, you shouldn't do this. Grandparents come up and say, Are you were also like this. These are the steps through which you have grown. So that's called wisdom. <laughs> you realize that very few things are really important in life. <laughs> you discover those few things, wisdom, and you hold on to them. And then we grow in delight. See, when a person at 16, 17 or, or 26 or 36 or 46 is going through a heartbreak. So, you know, that time it looks like the world is crashing down. Oh, this is the end of the world. But when you are, you know, as you grow wiser, as I said, and people come and narrate to your story, you know, I am going through a heartbreak. You just know that, yes, yes, it happens. It'll all Because you have gone through it and you have turned, changed it into delight. Strangely. That same event which led to this kind of feeling that this is the end of the world, you discover that what the, as it has been said, what the caterpillar calls the end of the world, the master calls it a butterfly. So you have, you know, you have evolved and changed through the crisis. And then the third thing in which it changes is power, empowerment. It's very interesting that power has several levels. So ultimately, in some way or the other, we are trying to once again, and snare Sachidananda through this process of growth. Uh, so this is the journey of life uh, through which we all evolve and grow. And uh, when we understand it, then we should take this journey consciously. After all, what is yoga? Shobindo says, uh, again, Swami Vivekananda speaks about it, it's conscious evolution. So anyways, this change is happening. Whether we like it or not, there is a divine consciousness, a wisdom, supernal, an infinite heart of love, which is behind all this. And as we go through it, it is pushing us, taking us through straight roads, through, through narrow winding paths towards a grand consummation. So uh, it's happening subconsciously. But when we become conscious, it makes a difference. And just to narrate the difference, uh, there is a small little story. Uh, so there is a uh, husband and wife, they are caught in a storm on a boat. Now, don't ask me how they went there and what happened to the sailor. All that is <laughs> not relevant. But then the, the lady is, you know, feeling frightened because it's storm, it's thunder, it's crashing all around. And the husband is pretty cool. So she says, why don't you do something? Why, I mean, why are you... Um, not able to understand my fears. <laughs> so the man has a sword. Uh, he takes out the sword and puts it on the lady's neck. And she says, come on. Now there's no time to joke. She says, you think I'm joking? What if I kill you? He says, you can't. And he asks, why do you say that I can't? He says, because you love me. And he says, that's exactly how I feel. That the creator loves me and loves us. And through all this storm, he's going to take us. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the storm is there. There is a very beautiful poem of Sherbindo which I am reminded to R on her birthday. And he says that fear not for the storms that swell, the winds that sweep. Always the master holds our rudder well. He does not sleep. Even those who sink in the victorious flood, where do they sink? Into his breast. He who to some gives victory, joy and good, to some gives rest. What a beautiful way of looking at life. So this is wisdom. As we grow through life, we understand that really there are very few things which really matter. And perhaps those things which matter didn't matter to us when they should have mattered. So that's where the whole process of conscious evolution comes in. 
that if we can make this process journey conscious life would grow so much more beautiful and so much more with so less few bumpy rides so like any other journey to make this journey consciously we must pack our bags uh, more importantly we must know where we want to go this is one of the biggest uh, uh, one of the lessons that we learn from the gps now people say gps means it'll guide you through anything everything well gps will guide only when you feed where you want to go it'll take you through anything if we feed on the gps that i want to go to uh, whatever i don't know um, to to gamble somewhere the gps will take you along with that so it's important to know where we are going in yoga it's so important the mother would um you know first things for one of her first conversations on yoga is when somebody asks her what uh, uh, mother how to do yoga she says what do you want the yoga for to get power to be a yogi to be a superman god knows how many more things we conceal inside to help humanity none of these motives are sufficient to say that you are ready for the path do you want the divine for the sake of the divine nothing else just imagine imagine and and again as i said this is so logical who would not want the master who can give us so many things who would not want the master himself there is the story of shiva coming to some i mean he is meditating let's start with that somehow i don't know why they associate him only with a meditating monk whereas he is a dancer he is a singer so many he is a warrior but anyways and uh, there is a devotee who is praying for him and shiva is in his deep trance and parvati nudges him come why don't you listen he says okay don't worry <laughs> again she nudges so she goes there all the way and he asks the devotee what do you want so he says you see my state you still ask me what do i want he said okay i understand <laughs> still i must ask because you have to make your choices and uh, that's my dharma to ask you to make choices i have given this freedom so he simply points a finger to 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 a pot which is earthenware pot lying in the room and it turns into gold so he says this will take care of you for a long time so as he is going this man looks with greedy eyes and says sir so see so is okay so he turns the cot into gold he says you can look after a few generations also as he is growing going back said this will not look nice in this hut okay your hut is also turning into gold now this story doesn't end the midas way so <laughs> then <laughs> as he is going he says sir can you please uh, yes what do you want now <laughs> that finger with which you are pointing to the things <laughs> i want that finger leave that finger and go now you see it's not about the finger it's about directly he whose presence alone is sufficient so it's so strange uh, at least i have found it very very strange i don't know that people make uh, this kind of choice when they go to a divine altar and they ask for things and they don't ask for the divine whereas he is more than ready to give himself just imagine all the time being with the divine so it's important to know the goal where we are going because there are a number of it's like imagine i get into a train or a flight nobody will let me in but supposing by some strange teleportation method i were to get into the flight and i was asked where do you want to go i said i don't know where wherever the flight is going take me 
But that's how we deal with life. We don't know where we are going. We don't know where we want to go. So this consciously knowing where we want to go is what is aspiration. Deep inside. Do I really have a goal or is it, uh, whatever it be, it may be a material goal, but one should be very clear, one should not play fool around. But know that whatever is my goal, that will be the quality of my life. If my goal is material, if my goal is transient, well, like any every transient thing, it will give me some satisfaction for a while and then it will go away. It will stop, even when it is around, um, it, it won't be able to, I mean, I have seen sometimes very strange things that people had the money but uh, they couldn't uh, enjoy a meal because uh, they, they were having physical problems so to say <laughs> they, they couldn't have sleep because well the mind was restless so this is not that one should not uh, have money but money cannot become the goal that's all that I am saying that the goal should one should be clear about the goal aspiration then one sits into the ship so, Shubhendra speaks about this journey as a ship. Vedic Rishis have spoken about it in a very fascinating way. Sometimes as a bird, sometimes a journey, where there are forces that help and harm. All kinds of forces. And it's, it's sometimes the journey turns into a battlefield, Kurushetra. Again, we have such a wonderful example. Yes, life, there will be battles sometimes. And who has ever seen the glorious vision of Krishna without going through the Kurushetra of life? And if you are afraid of it, then, well, hermitage is our way. So, here when we get into a journey, we need to pack our bags, at least. And what we need to pack, sometimes, again, this little story, which I am very fond of, true story of the ship, first ship which ever sailed to Antarctica, it was a failed mission. And we know the name of the ship was Endurance. So the captain shackled and it failed. But it opened, the, the, the journey succeeded because not one person died um, after 18 months of a very harrowing journey um, through a shipwreck and all that. So there comes a time when they have to throw away everything because, you know, the ship is sinking. It's full of things. And when they come on a big, huge iceberg, again, it's, it cannot take the weight. So he asked people to throw away things and people are throwing away things. And uh, everybody is holding on to the Bible. <laughs> so uh, he knows that everything must go. So he tears a page from the Bible and keeps it in his pocket and throws even that. So he says, for me, this is the most important thing. So often, you know, it's a small little exercise we all can do in our own um, private time. That if I was to ask that we have to carry one thing with us. I know the answer, so to money purse, but. <laughs> sans the purse and the credit card even that's not really not necessary one thing what is it that we are going to take when we are traveling to an unknown place either by chance or by choice I think that one thing is faith because if I don't have faith then my journey is going to be terrible for sure nothing else I can carry and just imagine the value of faith that if one thing we have to carry, we'll carry faith. It doesn't matter faith in what, faith in whom, faith in destiny, faith in oneself, faith in God. There are different levels and ways of expressing it. So faith is the most fundamental thing to carry in life. The Gita goes on to say, a man is his faith. Shraddha vanilabte, it is the man of faith who arrives. And this faith, the mother says, is like a sacred treasure. One may lose everything, but never to lose faith. 
because if faith is lost, everything is sooner or later going to collapse. Faith is lost. Of course, Yobindo takes one step further. He says, even if faith is gone, keep hope. <laughs> so, <laughs> hope of interventions. We see in Savitri the gleam of hope and death is terrified by that little gleam. So keep hope. And this hope is not just in, to, in today, hope in today, tomorrow, beyond life and death. This hope, this flame of faith, the most important help in the entire journey. It's like a torchlight. And Shabindu uses the word, we'll read a passage today. It's like the uh, steering wheel of the journey. It gives that kind of importance. So faith we must pack. And along with faith we must make sure that this journey may go through different kinds of uh, bumpy rides. Well, they are part of it and the adventurer's soul enjoys it. So, we must carry these, um, this ability to endure, to persevere through the journey. So, you know, in ancient times, the Vedic Rishis would say the gods who would help us on the way. Now, gods exist now, but that's a different subject. But anyways, just as creation has an objective and a subjective side, so gods do have a subjective side and we all experience that presence of godheads or, or divinities when we experience faith, when we experience aspiration. These are the different ways, uh, perseverance, gratitude, devotion. These are godheads who awaken within the human heart and help us in the journey. Uh, because without them... This path is, no journey is going to be easy. Forget about spiritual life or yoga. So they have to be cultivated. How they have to be cultivated? One means is, this is not a conference. Somehow I don't much appreciate the word conference. I appreciate the word yagya. So this is a yagna. Uh, in also there is another word, satsang. Uh, so we are together meeting on a different matrix. We all come from different grounds. We have different... Uh, but this is where we are meeting in the on a, on a ground which is very different. So satsang, the company of truth. And even if we don't have this, uh, the book which can inspire us. So this uh, satsang through which these things are cultivated. The purpose of coming together in such conferences are not mental brainstorming about God. He will retreat. He says, I don't like this stormy ways. And if he enters into the storm, they will be Meli because then he will be Rudra. So, you know, so these are not um, uh, occasions for brainstorming and debates, discussions, this point of view, that point of view. The world is there for those things. Of course, we can have all uh, ways of understanding things. But it is so that we can be in the company of what is true, what is lasting, what is permanent, what can endure. So it is that satsang through which these qualities are cultivated. And this was well known in all ancient mystic traditions. And in Indian tradition it's preserved till date. So there is satsang. It can take the form of collective meditation if one doesn't want to read anything um, Study circles all over the world we have study circles. So the idea was to cultivate and preserve this beautiful flame. So nurture these qualities, God-like qualities. But then there are also forces that oppose. This is not an easy journey. Why should it be? After all, what do these opposing forces do? They test our sincerity. They challenge us and through this challenge we grow into strength. Once when people would, you know, all, all kinds of People come everywhere and at the feet of the divine, all kinds of people would come. It's understood. 
Because where else they will go? So people often ask, when they go to Auroville, Ashram or Aniari, that person is this kind, that person is this kind. So I tell them, see, a sick person will go to the best healer. So where else he will go? <laughs> so at the feet of the divine, all are welcome. Uh, so everyone goes like at Shiva's feet. So once uh, a disciple complained to mother, Mother, why do you keep such a person here? You know, when people go to him, you, you have no idea the kind of things he speaks. And see, the paradox is he continues to stay there. Huh? So kind of things he speaks and people will be turned away. They would not like to come if they listen to him. And the mother says, laughs and says, well, it will be a test of their sincerity whether they really want to come or not. Despite the person who is sitting at the gate and <laughs> what destiny he has is a different matter. So there are uh, forces which oppose us. And just as faith is the number one force that helps us, the number one in terms of the nether abyss, uh, the, the power that really opposes, which is the greatest impurity, the, the root of all impurities is fear. So mother speaks about this fear as, uh, you know, it's just the opposite of uh, faith. So fear is the greatest impurity. In fact, she, she goes on to say, if you are afraid, don't do yoga. Somebody was narrating me, um, uh, okay, I mean, people know. When he came in the beginning, uh, so he would, he was staying in Golconda. And every night he would see some demons coming, attacking him. <laughs> trying to enter, draw his heart and all these things. So he went to mother. And every day he would report and mother would just look at him and smile and say, Okay, that's all, sir. But this continued. <laughs> so he didn't know what to do. <laughs> so on 50th day he says, Mother, I am very afraid. So mother looks at him and she says, If you are so much afraid, you cannot do yoga. Now he says, Now where do I go? He was narrating me the story himself. Uh, where do I go? I mean, I am feeling so afraid. And she says, If you are afraid, you cannot do yoga. So again, after a few days, he says, Mother, what do I do? She says, you go from here. So he, he started the journey back and everything was arranged. As he left Pondicherry, the fear vanished, things vanished. Now look at the paradox of the whole story. Of course, he came back much and you know, lived on and such beautiful experiences in journey. So uh, we can tell the name after, you know, he crossed so many wonderful uh, stages in his inner life. Chudnarayanji, he was narrating me himself that how in the beginning, so fear is it, what is this fear? Fear of the unknown, all the time, knowingly, unknowingly, it is moving us. We want things to be secure. Why? Because we are afraid things won't be right. All the time it's gnawing everything and today if we look at, I mean, open anything, it fills us with fear. Fear of this, fear of that and one of the qualities of Brahman is Nirbhayo. That word is so powerful. It reminds me of a story of uh, one of the Sikh gurus. Uh, that is, uh, the Sikh gurus and their path is nothing to do with all this uh, Khalistan nonsense. Uh, the Sikh guru who gave his sacrifice at the altar of one of these Mughal kings, uh, he was asked to convert and he refused to be converted. Um, Aurangzeb was the Mughal king and uh, he was, uh, I think, uh, Guru Tegh Bahadur. And he said, okay, I am going to take your two sons and going to um, bury them alive. And he said, okay. So he called the, both the sons near him. Imagine, nine, ten-year-old children being buried alive in front of the father. 
I don't know if uh, this is fascism or not of the worst kind. Uh, so when he comes close and uh, all that the guru whispers into their ears is, remember Nirbhaya. Be free of fear. And he, they say yes. And as they move and in front of him, they are chanting this, that we are Nirbhaya. Why? We are free from fear. And they give the sacrifice. And the guru himself then has to give the sacrifice, uh, put on hot plate, then eventually beheaded. So this kind of thing, yet they remained free of fear. They didn't question, where is my God? We remember Christ. How when he is going and the devil is tempting him that, you know, jump from the cliff and he says, one should not tempt the Lord my God. And how they have paved the way, free from fear. And how they could be free from fear? Because the flame of faith was always burning alive. And why? Because this journey is not a journey of one life. That's why we are so much uh, bogged down by circumstances. In fact, very often people when they debate and discuss about whether there is rebirth or uh, you know whether there is one life, ask them, it's okay to believe that there is one life and do your best. But the fact is, if you believe there is a soul, rebirth becomes a logical necessity. Because one cannot grow to the fullness in one single life. So it changes and comes across. So even at the end, when somebody meets an apparent tragic end, we have those lines from Savitri, arisen from the tragic crash of life, the spirit rises mightier with each defeat. It's godlike wings grow with every fall. So this surface view of things, so this person believed and see what happened to him. Christ set the highest standard that yes, doesn't matter. Look at Christ from his cross, humanized Europe. That's how Shivindu puts it. Was that sacrifice wasted? Certainly not. Whatever way we may look at it. So this, this is how we have to cultivate, pack these bags. And all experiences of life are there to help us grow into these things. Every time, whether there is, uh, when there is corona, we have to see. Whether we develop karuna or we <laughs> develop bhai. Everything, I mean I am a doctor by profession and I know that how a doctor can inject fear so, I, I don't have words. The patient who went in with a small little, oh my throat is little bad, comes out with this word called acute tracheobronchitis, come pharyngitis, laryngitis and he thinks I am on the verge of death, my God. And he, Some people take great pride, you know, because having a big disease is a sign of a greatness. <laughs> a great person cannot come back and say, I just have a sore throat. Doesn't look nice. So he must come back and say, you know, doctors diagnosed me with acute pharyngitis. So somebody used to tell him, boy, this is the same thing. It's not different. <laughs> so uh, this fear we must get rid of. And fear, the best antidote is faith. Faith in oneself, faith in the destiny, faith in the divine. And to look beyond this limited experience of uh, life and death. We, we, Narad Bhai was reading these lines. This clamped out experience mattered to us as life. And then he says, but who can show? We have to look behind appearances. One of the things that life, science and yoga, all three teachers look beyond appearances. So this is uh, packing the bags. There are many other qualities which now we sh sit into the ship. It's important to know what is this ship made of. You know, it's, it may crash land. People invest their faith in all kinds of things. Whether it be Babaji or Fakir and uh, who not, I don't know, on Tabis and 
Why not invest faith in the Supreme who dwells in us and walks with us? Why do we want these, uh, you know, is the other thing which I learned in the GPS because, you know, very often I say methods are not important because Shubhinda says, but your aspiration is important. That's what he has revealed to us. So in the car and suddenly, you know, on the way, the person where we were going, he met, met us. He said, I was coming to pick you up. So he sat and I had to tell the driver, GPS is not required. Because GPS kept telling me, you know, telling us, take the right turn, go so much. I said, the, the place where we are going is with us. He will tell us and much better, he knows. <laughs> so same way, methods have their utility till we have discovered the master within us. And the master is within us and then we say, Sir, please wait. I must do my two hours of meditation and pranayam. So he'll <laughs> say, come on. It's, I mean, just imagine. This is uh, how foolish it will sound when we tell God that I want to close my eyes and meditate. <laughs> Amal Kiran, this uh, beautiful little story, when mother would give meditation, there would be some people sitting on the left and some on the right and there was a symbol behind it and somebody right opposite, the very opposite of what the divine represented. And Amal Kiran, everybody is closing eyes and all kinds of things are happening. Amal Kiran will sit, look at with his open eyes and draw nice sketches, some ones of Puraniji and says, overmind, uh, undermined by the overmind because the neck, uh, wrestler, you know, the neck is, <laughs> and all kinds of th- things. And somebody asks Samal, why don't you close your eyes? He says, am I a fool that mother is sitting in front of me, you want me to close the eyes? <laughs> Now, you see, this is an approach, a way that methods, techniques, processes are not the thing. They are helpful. They have their place and utility. But we must discover the captain of the ship. You know, there are some people who love to do backseat driving and it's such a dangerous thing. Either you hold the steering, at least, (laughs) or you stay quiet, trust that the driver knows the way. If you know the way better, then hold the steering. That's how any sensible driver will say, that, look madam, or look sir, sorry, uh, you are all the time interfering, why don't you hold the steering? So we, we take great pride in holding the steering. Oh, I am practicing, I have met people, I practice two hours meditation every day. I do so many pranayams, I am going to read a passage and you know, you will see how Shubhindu takes a dig at it. But what is important is surrender to the divine. It's not easy. Because we somehow the ego doesn't feel satisfied unless it is doing something. So the divine says, okay, do something. Something or the other you need to do, you do it. So there is this ability to trust the master, that ship. Who is it in whom we have, we have put our trust into the... See, till now, why, why do... Why is the world the way it is? Because it has invested its trust in governments, systems, machinery, organization. That's how Shubhinda says. This erring race of mankind believes it can perfect itself through organization, government, machineries. But when will it learn that to perfect this world we must come in contact with the one, the perfect, the absolute, the perfect, the alone who sits within us. Yoga is about discovering him. It's not an intellectual process. It's a real-time journey 
where we discover the one who dwells within us, whose breath creates and destroys the universes, as Shivindo puts it so powerfully from the Isha Upanishad. So, it's important which ship are we sitting in. Make a choice, doesn't matter. Swami Vivekananda would say, read, think, reflect. But once we choose a path, cleave to it. One can't put leg in two boats. Take time. No, there is no hurry. Of course, boat will go. Doesn't matter with next wave of time it will come. <laughs> Maybe you'll feel after it has gone, oh, I, I should have that beautiful poem of Sherwindo, the dream boat. Who was it that came to me in a boat uh, made of gold fire? So he comes to ask. So he asks us, the divine, there is a moment when the divine asks us in some way or the other, will you come with me? Is the heart for, heart's fire ready? That's all that he wants. And if we get into the boat, then rest is not history, but future. <laughs> and if we hesitate, the boat comes. But we should be careful what boat we are choosing. Because this is so important. These days I see in the name of God, in the name of divine. Not only these days, right from Ramayana times. There is Kalanemi, very famous fellow who takes the name of God, but only to distract people from the straight path. Kalanemi is sitting and saying, Ram, 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 wearing... Nice saffron cloth and Hanuman, he is such a bala buddhi vidya, still for a moment, ah, he is taking the name of God, wonderful. So he goes there and says, who are you, uh, great man? He says, well, I am one of the devotees like you and I know you are going for an errand, why don't you take some meal in my room, in my hermitage, I will feel blessed. And he has a plan to kill him, of course, Hanuman cannot be killed because he is on an errand protected by Rama, but he discovers that here is the Asura wearing the mask of a, a, a holy man. See, the mother cautions us many times in movements, in religions. It has happened that the shrine has been now occupied by the Asura. He takes that. And it's so important to know which ship, who is the captain of this aircraft. Does the captain really know what he is, uh, where he is taking us? And that's why it's so important when we read Shurabindo's life. Who is he? Now, is he just a philosopher? Then at least, uh, who would trust a philosopher who, <laughs> who is ever at war with other philosophies? So it's so important to read who Shurabindo is. One gets in one of the best books is uh, Shurabindo, his life, unique by, by Rishabh Chand, and another Shurabindo or The Adventure of Consciousness by Satprem. Two books which are wonderful. There are other books also. So, they are the ones which show us who is he. Beautiful poems of Shabindo, one of the places where he says, Seer, deep-hearted, divine king of secrecies, vast in thy heart was a tide, washing the coasts of heaven. Thoughts broke burning and bare, crossing the human night. White star scripts of the gods, born from the presses of light, page by page, to the dim children of earth were given. So this is the second thing required is the map. But this map in spiritual terms is called the scripture, the Shastra. I mean, we need to know. Shabindo and the mother's books were not meant only to be kept as nice libraries. They meant to be read. It, so much, you know, sometimes I think in one life if one can just read Shabindo and the mother's books. That's a great yoga in its own right. And I felt so much inspired, I mean, hearing Jugal Kishore Mukherjee's story, who was the, you know, um, registrar of Shurabindo International Integral Center of Education. 
international center of education so he once he had shrabindo on his fingertips or literally brain tips dendrites and you know once last two years he said no no now i don't want to engage i just want to uh, i asked what what do you want to see he said i want to read shrabindo so i asked him how many times ever read he said 22 times <laughs> i said what do you want to do now you remember everything i just want to read for the joy of it and literally left his body while reading one of the letters on yoga he was reading and then his head was on the book and when he left the body so amazing so inspiring that this scripture why is it they didn't give it so that you know when we read through it then we understand what really the yoga is this kind of an understanding one of the work books uh, the synthesis of yoga letters on yoga so simple direct all the volumes the mother and i think there is already a talk on it so i won't um, get into that but scripture it's so important the master who is carrying us scripture that is important and then of course I must, from my side, also have some little enthusiasm for the journey. So imagine you are being taken in a, you know, okay. I'll give an example of a child when he goes to school. I don't know how's the things here, but Indian school, mother takes the child to the school, and you know, my baby, and this and that. You know, I'm sure it must be the same. Mothers are same-hearted everywhere. So are fathers. Okay. let me not be racist so <laughs> well human beings are the same heart it just in the mind they are different and the skin color they are different but the heart is always the same connect with the heart you'll see the same human being so when they take the child is you know uh, first day suddenly is thrown into a situation where here there was he was the sinusor of the eye and there he is one among 35 so it's a terrible situation next day he says mother i don't want to go come same mother turns into mahakali better go to school now imagine if the child keeps crying some mothers will even say no 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 i don't want to send my baby to the school i want the baby to be all the time with me which is better we all know but if he keep crying keep complaining how would the heart of the divine mother feel here is this child he doesn't even trust me he is all the time complaining grumbling and mother says when we complain and grumble all kinds of forces come around us so fear these things then greed lust ambition very dangerous things in yoga especially lust and ambition they are totally contrary they don't mix well and all that's why in yoga purification is so much important i saw there's a whole talk on that so again i'm resisting entering into that area but one of the simplest way of purifying oneself i can say i from a story in ramayana so we know that rama goes and he has to cross the river and as he comes on the seashore uh, the fisher man he tells i want to wash your feet one of the touching episodes in ramayana so as he is washing the feet he says why do you want to wash the feet see the divine divine is always humble wherever you see people looking for fanfare be sure that this is uh, something else ambition spiritual ambition so he says why do you want the to wash my feet he says i know the power of your feet you had touched a shila a stone once and it turned into a woman ahilya story i am not going into this story how it is narrated and valmiki but then he says if you if if my boat turns into a woman 
I will have two women and no means to feed. I better wash your feet properly and drink the water so that nothing goes. Now you see, this is a beautiful way mother speaks about the feet of the master through which the power flows. All nature dumbly calls to her alone to heal with her feet the aching throb of life and break the seals on the dim soul of man and kindle her fire in the closed heart of things. Magnetic is the touch of her hands. There and where she presses her feet speaks about these rhythms and harmonies and delight. So to just be at the feet of the divine is there can be no simpler and direct and better way of purifying oneself. That contact is purifying. It's the alchemist energy, the touchstone, but so difficult for man to bow before the divine. I have never understood. He will bow in the office before his boss. He will bow before the money lord. He will bow in front of everybody. Even, you know, casually. All the time he'll be bowing. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. But when it comes to divine, why should I bow before the divine? I have my individuality. Well, anyways, that to each his own way. But just to place one's head before the divine, to bow down inwardly, outwardly, every which way. So this purification, otherwise all these elements, when we, when there is a pressure of yoga, they tend to come out. And therefore, while it looks very nice that I am going to uh, self-mastery and all this, but it's never like it's in the book. There are real-time events. There are things hidden inside, like in Arjuna's case, things came up which he had never imagined. So, as we go to make sure that, you know, that enthusiasm for the journey, not complain and grudge and trust in the divine, to know that the divine holds us. There is a letter of Sri people often make him so complicated and difficult. Sri may be difficult, but uh, we as disciples have made him even more difficult. So, but uh, one of his letters, know that the mother loves you. Base your life on this one single fact. Entire yoga. The mother is the destination, the mother is the goal, the mother is the path. So this is, these are very crucial elements in this whole journey. We will put in our effort. We will talk about it. There is a whole session on what that effort is. But these things, surrender, faith, through which we have to grow and most importantly, the master whose presence. And finally he says time. So patience and perseverance are important. So can I have the uh, laptop? <laughs> I just want to read a passage. Normally um, I am breaking off from the usual way because I want us to taste something of what Shirobindo has said. And yeah, it's all ready. This the passage just came to me before I was coming, so I mailed it to myself and requested. Okay, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be able to. Otherwise, you are there. I'll, I don't. I have no issues in seeking help. Uh, so <laughs> all the time I am seeking help from the divine. So <laughs> human representatives are also fine. <laughs> so it is from Shabindos, one of the wonderful writings, Yoga and its Objects where he gives the broad outline of the yoga and we will see, uh, this is what Sri writes in the chapter on the four eights uh, in the synthesis of yoga. But here he gives it in such a beautiful way. It is said in the Sanat Sujatya. So Sanat Kumar are the uh, first children of Brahma. 
but they refused to go into creation they were turned back they said we don't want to so they merged back so that's why they had to create because individualities are important so brahma said it won't work so i have to create a veil so that they forget that they are my child like any good uh, parent who wants his children to grow like ancient time it was gurukul there you have to forget everything else and be have that one identity drona shishi arjun so in ancient times and today also all good parent they don't let the child flaunt the identity of the parent they say you are a student you learn there that's the way you will grow so in sanat sujati that four things are necessary for siddhi shastra scripture utsah enthusiasm for the journey guru the master and kala that is time the teaching of the path zeal in following it the guru and time now one of the very powerful sentences that should be do your path is that which i am pointing out it's one of the most powerful sentences i have ever heard reach sure if you want to take up this yoga then sure bindu and the mother if you mix match 100 things make a khichdi khichdi is very tasty on the but when it we make a khichdi in spiritual life <laughs> we may end up becoming khichdi for somebody else so <laughs> the utsaha needed in this is this anumati and this nitya smaran how what is the disciple meant to do supposed to do so he says utsaha what what is the indication that he has enthusiasm anumati the divine will ask us i am going to take you through this uh, elevator escalator oh sure i mean i had this experience in delhi one of those water parks so i climbed all the way very oh this is so nice and this coming down but when i went there i realized that it's not as i had thought i said abhi what to do so i said mother hold me let's go through this whole process so this is that anumati the divine will ask us this freedom of choice is never taken away from us and it's such a dangerous thing yet without it we would not grow into authentic spiritual beings even as a follower the choice is taken so anumati imagine the divine asking us shall i take you is it okay all good so we say good lock kiya jaye yes after that you can't say sir please i didn't know you'll put me in the washing machine and in the purifying fire he said well that's my way sir kurukshetra he will also come yes my child <laughs> what do i do keep holding on to me through the kurukshetra know that i am sitting with you so anumati this important to know because this this journey any journey journey of life brings its challenges we don't discuss about it we just learn it technique and a method and we think that's all that is nothing that's just the beginning of a whole path and the third is nitya smaran constant remembrance of the divine what a power this is to all who have done it know it there is nothing more powerful purifying and mother says if you want to know one method in this yoga when the disciple insists she says just open to me that is enough she says no no but one method so she says this japa and we know quite a few in the ashram who spoke about it of course nalida went still beyond speaks of love the mother <laughs> but uh, baba ji maharaj some of us know in odisha what a movement just on patichakra and uh, 
नामचप रिमेंबर द डिवाइन इट डजेंट मैटर ही नोज ऑल लैंग्वेजेस मा 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 इन साइड आउट साइड डजेंट मैटर इट क्रिएट्स एन एटमोसफियर विच प्रोटेक्ट गाइड सेल्फ इट्स सच ए सिंपल मेथड बट इट्स ए बिट टू सिंपल सब यू फाइंड इट डिफिकल्ट टू बिलीव so that people who write to me sir is it really alokda is it really that simple i said to my experience the experience of all who have gone before me it is that simple but it's not easy to remember the divine it is a special grace because we forget we are drawn we are attached we are distracted into 100 kinds of things the guru is god himself and for the rest only time is needed then he says that god himself is the guru you will find when knowledge comes to you it's not something to be declared but we discover as we grow in consciousness that he who came to us what mother saw in one glance he whom we saw yesterday is here upon earth his presence is enough that this world of darkness will be transformed whatever even if thousands of men are plunged into the densest ignorance his presence is enough what is that presence which comes to us taking the form of the master you will see now look at it you will see how every little circumstance within you and without you has been subtly planned and brought about by infinite wisdom to carry out the natural process of the yoga this yoga doesn't proceed by any unnatural abnormal ways it is nature's own yoga but with the divine touch in it everything becomes yoga meeting people going through situations circumstances even natural way process how the internal now what is the natural process of evolution we will see that life advances along a certain line then it drops another line then suddenly it connects the two and you know we grow so Uh, so as to work out the imperfection and work in the imperfection, and Almighty love and wisdom are at work for your uplifting. Therefore, never be troubled by the time that is being taken, even if it seems very long. Vedic Rishi spoke about long nights, nine nine months. The ah, uh, that's how people draw this conclusion of the Arctic. Tilak, at least in his book, well. it could have been i do believe that there was no invasion but probably a migration took place whole world was migrating long nights of exile at one of the places shobindu says there were six months when my own sadhana was completely arrested so these things happen we are not to get disturbed by these things but know that there is a reason why we move there is a reason why things have stopped to all the time turn towards the divine so he says that an almighty love and wisdom are at work for your uplifting therefore never be troubled by the time taken even if it seems very long but when imperfections and obstructions arise be apramatta dhira one word that upanishad speaks about which is necessary for the self revelation of the divine tamatmastham yenu pashyanti dhira stesham sukham sashvati netaresham dhira dhira is somebody who is steadfast who stays with his aspiration with his faith some of the examples i was say shurbindo example of dhira in the alipur jail only for a moment his mind says that well i thought that you are going to protect me i didn't ask anything for myself but then we see all through so dhira have the utsa and leave god to do the rest 
time is necessary it is a tremendous work that is being done in you the alteration of your whole human nature into a divine nature the crowding of centuries of evolution into a few years evolution fast forward the original bullet train or something better divine bullet train dbt okay there are other paths now he cautions us there are other paths that offer more immediate results or at any rate by offering you some definite kriya you can work at yourself give your ahankara the satisfaction of feeling that you are doing something so you see that that's exactly what uh, in, in bangalore we used to go and do some service at one of the centers and one day one of my air force colleagues uh, another wing commander staying in the same building hurry where are you going early morning i said we are going oh you are doing yoga yes what asanas you are doing what yoga you are doing so i said well that's for later <laughs> so people feel that there has to be human consciousness cannot imagine that the divine can carry us but just look at the universe often as a psychiatrist i have um, sometimes used this therapy when people are full of anxieties and worries taken them and taken them outside and look here into this uh, small little garden space of my office and see how many creatures must be there plenty you could see a squirrel there you could see some other who looks after them they don't carry the burden of their fate on man lifted the burden of his fate it doesn't mean we have to do nothing it means we have to trust on the divine that whatever we may, we are doing whatever results we may get ultimately he knows that's what it means so he says that people want to have some method and technique so he says artificial paths are like canals hewn by the intelligence of man you travel easily safely surely but from one given place to another this path is the broad and trackless ocean by which you can travel widely to all parts of the world one of the steps people don't talk about in before we become a supramental being is that we become the world personality this what the mother describes of course world personality has neg- nothing to do with being a world traveler uh, when i first time came to the us on my ticket it was written world traveler i said what does it mean <laughs> one may travel all over the world and yet not be a world personality one may be just a small little egoistic person so he says uh, and are admitted to the freedom of the infinite all that you need are the ship the steering wheel the compass the motive power and a skillful captain your ship is the brahmavidya the knowledge is the ship you see when rama is fighting ravan and ravan comes in a very sophisticated chariot and vibhishan says lord this is not fair you are on foot and here is a man i must get a chariot for you so he smiles and says you don't know you cannot see my chariot so where is your chariot he says my chariot is faith my chariot is dharma i know that this fight that i am engaged in is for dharma and i know that dharma rakshati dharma dharma protects so he says i don't need the chariot don't worry so this is where we see that he is carrying us so your ship is the brahmavidya faith is your steering wheel whenever we don't know which way to go have faith and that's how we will get 
to where we have to go. Self-surrender your compass. When there is confusion around, compass is what shows the direction, then what we should do? Mother speaks about it in her last conversations. She says, my child, whenever there is confusion, remember, give yourself to the divine, that the divine alone exists, all the rest is phantasmagoria. Self-surrender. Thou who art everywhere in everything, self-surrender is the compass. The motive power is she who makes, directs and destroys the worlds at God's command and God himself is your captain. With such a captain and such a power, shakti, divine shakti with us, what can any doubt be there? Watch his way and wait for his time. Understand also the importance of accepting the Shastra and submitting to the Guru. This is something which I have completely forgotten. Because individuality, I know more, I know better. Some place we should, and this is only when it comes to divine things, mind you. When it comes to studying physics in a college, we very easily submit to the guidance. We don't raise questions uh, the way we would. We don't question his credentials. So here is, she says, he reminds us that, Submitting the Guru and do not do like the XYZ who insist on the freedom of the individual intellect to follow its own fancies and preferences which it calls reasonings because we are going to enter an age which transcends reason. Where did life ever go with reason? Every person who is 60 knows this or perhaps at 40 that all the plannings of reason didn't work out exactly the way they are. Thank God. So we could... <laughs> Chart into new ways. Otherwise, our reason would have led to only this small little space, comfort zone. Even before it is trained to discern or fit to reason, now he is taking a dig at reason itself. It is much the fashion nowadays to indulge in metaphysical discussions and philosophical subtleties about Maya and Advaita and put them in the forefront, making them take the place of spiritual experience. Do not follow that fashion or confuse yourself and waste time on the way by questionings which will be amply and luminously answered when the divine knowledge of the Vijnana awakes in you. This doesn't mean that we don't have to seek. Seeking is different. Skepticism is different. The spirit of trying to understand is different and the spirit of doubt a priori are different. So we must know the different, the difference between the two. Metaphysical knowledge has its place, but as a handmaid to spiritual experience, showing it the way sometimes, but much more dependent on it and living upon its bounty. By itself, it is mere panditya, a dry and barren thing, and more often a stumbling block than a help. And then toward the end, he says, and with which we'll stop. Remember that one-sided philosophies are always a partial statement of truth. The world as God has made it is not a rigid exercise in logic but like a strain of music, an infinite harmony of many diversities. So let's give the divine a chance and time to do his job. Thank you. Namaste.